You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Chobi. Welcome to another edition of Hawk Talk. Yes, the Seahawks are back in the win column, defeating the Detroit Lions 48-45 to on the road, and this was one hell of a game. Fireworks from start to finish. It's great to have a nice victory Monday here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. Everything is right in the world, and when everything is right in the world, that means we're talking to our guy, Ray Roberts, in the trenches. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray, Big Ray, Big Ray. This was a battle of Ray Roberts' two former teams. If, if anything, this was a battle of <laughs> Ray Roberts. So definitely a fun game to, to watch on Sunday, Ray. All the fireworks in the world, not the game we accepted or expected. The Seahawks beat the Lions 48-45 to in a shootout. Seahawks had 555 yards of total offense. Ray, why were they able to finally open things up and really get this offense where we thought it could be? Well, I think, first of all, uh, you know, Detroit, uh, I love the way you said Detroit, too. That's how you have to say it. It's not Detroit, it's Detroit. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I love the way that when they talked last week about opening the offense, a lot of times when people hear opening the offense, it means that, oh, we're going to take all these deep shots. But what it really meant was, man, we're giving Geno full reign of this playbook and all that's in it, whether it's the, using the tight ends, the running backs, you know, audibling at the line of scrimmage. I think, you know, Geno was in complete command of the offense to the point where on third and 26 or whatever it is, he audible to a run play and it became a touchdown. And then he audible again on an, another run play and it was, a, it was a, another 36 yard deal, whatever it was, touchdown. So he was really in command of the offense. And uh, to me, that is a great sign because now you have access to all of those weapons. Like, Noah Fant, I thought was going to be a tremendous weapon, you know, when they, when, when they signed him or he came over in the trade. Uh, but man, I didn't know that Disley was going to do his thing and that uh, Parkinson was going to be able to do his thing. And I mean, they have just really been balling out at the tight end position, you know, just the three of them combined. And then the way they've been able to get DK involved and, and keep uh, Tyler involved without having to focus on one or the other last year, it felt like, one game it was to be it was BK's game. The next game it was Tyler's game. But now it's it's like the whole field is is uh, is Geno's playground, and so I, I think he's done a really good job of being mature about it, playing within his ability, and then just using everything that's accessible to them from the playbook. I like what you said there about Gino there, Ray. So coming into the season, we talked about, and I think you talked about a lot, that like, hey, play your game. Don't try to step outside yourself. Don't try to replace the guy that came before you. Well, right now, he's not only playing good football, he's playing some of the best at that quarterback position in the National Football League. Are you surprised at all by his consistency or his overall play? You talked about the playbook being completely opened up, so used to all those weapons. But Gino specifically, are you surprised he's playing the best football of his career? Uh, I, I am because you don't normally see this type of transformation. And then uh, this, what we have seen of Gino in the past, like, yeah, he kind of filled in for, for a rush from time to time and he's played in the preseason, but it always seemed like 
he was kind of playing safe football, you know, and uh, or he would you know have a bad play at the at the wrong time, like that kind of thing. But for him to be able to have the steadiness that he has, the patience that he that he has, uh, the maturity that he's going about it to play, you know, just to kind of play within the confines of his ability is tremendous because there has to be something in there that goes like, okay, I'm a, I'm like, I'm lighting this thing up. I'm about to go do the do, you know, I'm about to go do whatever, you know? And then that's when you start to kind of try to do things you're not capable of, like trying to scramble around or make a big throw or what have you. But he's been able to keep all of that in check and just, and just get the ball, distribute the ball to the, he's not managing the game either. He's playing the game. And I think that that's, that's, different than managing a game. So he doesn't have to be, you know, Lamar Jackson or Mahomes or whatever, but he's playing football at a very high level. And that's, I think that's awesome. What up, Ray? What up, though? What's going on, man? Just chilling like a villain. So you're talking about Geno and how he's just playing football, which I love to see, and I completely agree with you. I also think who's playing some good football right now is Rashad Penny. Your man went off 150 mm. yards, and he did it with some short runs, short runs, and opened it up with some big ones, some third down runs. Um, what you see out of him, and is it just him, or is it this offensive line and just the way this offense is approaching the game in totality? Well, the thing I like in, uh, is that they have taken the offensive line and their abilities into consideration. So a lot of times when, when you hear people talking about building their offense, especially if you're listening to ESPN and all these big shows and everyone thinks they know everything, all they talk about is what can the, the skilled guys do, if you want to call them that, the receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks, tight end, what can they do? And how do you set them up success, success? And how do you put them in the right situation? No one talks about how do you put your offensive line in the right situation. And I feel like this year, especially with, I think having the two rookie rookie offensive linemen forced them to think about how do we put these rookies in the best position to be successful, and therefore it put the, the offensive line in the best position to be success, successful. So they're doing the things that they're really good at, blocking downhill. Uh, Gabe, you know, uh, Abe Lucas is really good at like setting the edge on, on edge runs. He's really good at getting up to the next level. He's really good at finishing blocks. Charles seems to be more of a mobile dude. You saw him pull on uh, one of the long touchdown runs. Uh, he's starting to you know, see the, the athleticism of, of, uh, uh, of uh, Lewis, the way he, you know, he, he pulled on both of those plays. Had a great trap that uh, Penny timed up and for the one touchdown, and they came back around the true counter where they pulled a guard in the tackle from the backside, and he was he was the guard that pulled around the corner. So I think that they're taking in consideration all of the abilities of all the people on offense, and that's what makes a difference. And then when you look at Penny, man, like, you know, last year I was like, okay, it's five games. You've been here for three or so years. You haven't played a whole lot. I'm not getting so excited about the five games. Even though you rushed for 700 yards and all it was cool and looked cool and all that kind of stuff, Show me you can do it again. And then show me you can do it again. And then show me you can do it again. And that's what he's been doing. And then once the, the one play that didn't seem like that big of a deal uh, last yesterday was, you know, like I said before, there's a play where, I don't know, he picked up 10 to 15 yards. He could have just stepped out of bounds and the defender was coming up. But he leaned into the defender and invited the contact. Never thought I would see that from him. And so he's learning how to run behind his pad. He's confident that he can, uh, you know, get – 
get through the hole and then take it to the house. Or if he needs to be physical, he can do that. So now you have defenders thinking like, okay, is this dude going to run past me? Is he going to give me the, the, the lazy leg and like make me you know, break my ankles? Or is he going to put his shoulder down and run over me? Now he's at an advantage to kind of do what he wants in those situations. And that has been impressive. I love it. It's like he's in complete control, right? He's got him guessing. You don't know what he is going to do next. I love to see it. And honestly, Ray, I think the success of Penny is going to result in the success of DK Metcalf as well. I don't think it's a coincidence that both these guys had big games. I think it's correlated. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, I think, like, you know, you've heard me say this, and I said it in the post game, and I said it all last year. It was kind of cool to say it. I thought it was, I kind of was patting myself on the back a little bit uh, about marrying the run game to the to the pass game. Yeah. And this this game yesterday was the first time where I, where I watched the football game, and I didn't feel like I was watching uh, two parallel tracks. It looked like one comprehensive offense that was running. And then Gino was at the helm of it going like, oh, okay, we got this pass call. But, man, like this defense they're running, they don't have – you know, they, they have seven guys within a yard of the line of scrimmage, and that closest dude is 15 yards away. Man, we're going to pin and pull, and we're out the house. We're out the gate. And so, like, that type of stuff to me is when the offense is really working – comprehensively and play action looks just like the runs are going to play the runs looks just like the the play action the the uh the pass game and the running game is all tied together you're not having to go like okay this quarter we're focusing on getting the ball to dk and this quarter we're focusing on running the ball no we're open the playbook we have a dude that we trust and we have some players that can make plays let's just go play football and make it happen and that's what was really cool about yesterday too well ray i'll keep patting you on the back though but would you say now this offense is engaged Right, so they put it together for one for one game. What's it going to take for them to be married and go on the honeymoon? When's that going to happen? Well, first of all, you know, like the, the dad is always the one that has to pay for all that stuff, right? So Pete Carroll is going to have to, you know, <laughs> lay the law down and say it's okay for this marriage to happen. Uh, but uh, but no, I, I think that the the engagement period was like the preseason, and then they finally got to the point where. The, the dad that has to pay for everything said, "Okay, let's open the playbook. Let's let's give let's give this marriage our blessing." And that's what it feels like. That feels like that's what happened yesterday. Now, if they go back next week and it looks like something totally different, then maybe we're gonna have to go to marriage counseling or something. But <laughs> it looks like it looks like to me that the wedding was yesterday. I mean, I don't know how I don't know how much bigger it can be. I mean, five hundred some yards of offense, a hundred yard receiver, a hundred yard rusher. Uh, Dino, you know, 23 of 30 passes for 320 yards. He rushed for another touchdown. It was beautiful football. The tight ends all had a cat, you know, catches. Two of the tight ends had touchdowns. You know, like all that kind of stuff. So I just love the way it, it worked. And then obviously, you're not going to rush for. You're not going to have 500 and some yards every game. But the idea that they can show up and this is what this is the game plan they're coming in with. This is what they're going to try to execute on. I think is a, a greater chance of being successful. And, and I will just go back to the saying, like, if we're going to talk about the marriage, I'm going to say these two left tackle, these two tackles are the groomsmen because they have been handling their business. Yes, Cross has given up some sacks, but those things have been uh, more, more technique things than they have been ability. Yesterday they had no sacks. I think there was only one quarterback hit. Those dudes have been balling out, and I will keep saying it over and over and over and over, and I know the Coos fans will like it because they love me up every time I say it, so I'm, I'm trying to get a little love, is that Abe Lucas, to me, has been the steal of the draft. Go like, close. I know Tariq Woolen has been doing his thing, but Abe Lucas is a first-rounder that they picked up in the third round. Wow. The dude is playing great football. 
He is like his cool, calm demeanor. To me, it's just so intimidating because it's like you just want to see him like get either super happy or super mad. And he doesn't do either one of them. And so you just kind of like, okay, what's wrong with this dude? Like, and that, but he's just smashing dudes all the time. And I think Charles is learning how to be a little bit more aggressive in his approach, being a little bit more violent with his hands and things like that to go along with his smooth athleticism. These dudes have been playing really, really good football. Love to see it, Ray. You got me fired up, man. Let's go. I mean, I'm I'm hoping I get the invite to to, to the wet big day. Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm hoping the honeymoon's I'm going well. Man, I'm gonna yeah. be in it. We should be in it, right? And then <laughs> and by next we're the year, band. We're gonna we're gonna be the band. <laughs> and then next year we'll be talking about the reunion because this team got to figure it out. Ray, appreciate you as always for hopping on with us every single week. We're inside the trenches with Ray Roberts, offensive line play like no one else. You're never gonna hear it any better from a guy who has a PhD in O line play. Ray Roberts, appreciate you joining us, bud. Thanks for having me, dude. All right, Ray. All right, thanks, Ray. All right, God, gotta love me some Ray. That's always fun. But let's get back into it. What had happened? See what had happened at first. Was. What happened was what had happened was on Hawk Talk. I was not ready for that bump. I was not hey. ready for what we saw when we did our game predictions, nah. man. We always have that competition. I'll take everyone behind the scenes on that. We do our game predictions. We have a tally throughout the year. And I don't think anyone had the score over 30 points, if I'm correct. My memory nah, serves right. I had 21-7. <laughs> I had 21-7. I think Moyer had 30-27 or something like that, but that's about it. I mean, holy smokes. I mean, it, shootout. I mean, both teams combined for 1,075 yards of total offense and 93 points. And the Seahawks scored at least 10 points in every quarter for the first time in franchise history. If you were looking for a defensive battle, which I love, that was not the case on Sunday. Gino. Boy, Gino, he got things going right away out the gate with an impressive 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that ended with a Will Disley touchdown. The Lions answered right back after Tyler Lockett, uncharacteristic. That will be the last time you ever see that. I think it was the first time I've seen it, and it's yeah. got to be the last time, right? Yeah, I mean, he had one one muff, but that was because somebody was pushed into him against right. the 49ers. And then this one, sometimes you get lucky. I think the helmet just grazed the ball as he was falling down, and bam, Things happen. But uh, he did get that fumble, and then Jared Goff and Hawkinson hooked up for one play for 32 yards, and they're back on the board. You're thinking, okay, let's see what Geno does. He answers right back, a long drive with an eight-yard run. He does it himself this time. That was set up by a big play from DK, a 55-yarder. Geno says, I'm going to take it into my own hands. Actually, Shane Waldron called it, and Geno executed. He scores a touchdown. That was a great play. I love that. When you see them do that, I'm like, okay, that, that means Shane Waldron, we'll talk about a little bit throughout this podcast, he was out there balling. He, yeah. has, been, he has been in his bag the last two weeks for sure, knowing what they're going to be, always getting the Seahawks in the right play. The Lions would then answer back with a long 12-play drive, ending with a one-year touchdown run by Jamal Williams, making it 24-15 to at the half. Second half, though, opens up. Tariq Woolen, let's go. Pick six, 40 yards, taking, picking off Jared Goff. And we're going to talk about this in the film room, but Tariq Woolen is playing way above expectations right now. I love what we're seeing from him. Yeah, it's nice for Tariq to get his hands on the football for the second week in a row. But then the game would go back and forth, and there was each team exchanging long touchdown drive after long touchdown drive. But then there was a play on third and five where Rashad Penny did his thing 41 yards to the house, making it 48 to 38. And I just like, one, the play calling, trusting Rashad Penny. Yep. And Penny's showing that, okay, the first three weeks statistically probably didn't go the way that we'd like it to go. But don't forget, you have one of the hottest running backs in the league if you transfer over from 2021. 
He's killing the game. I think he's shown again for, for all the doubters, all the haters, the like, hey, I can play in this league consistently. And he's he's one of the best home run hitters in the league. Yep. That's not just not just saying that. I mean, you look at his he's already like second in Seahawks history and runs over thirty yard touchdowns wow. just, just behind Sean Alexander. So the dude can play and he's balling out. The Lions would score again after that. Um, they were unable to recover the onside kick, which was very closer than I would like. Seahawks ended up getting that. I believe DJ Dallas came up with it, held on for the 48-45 to 45 victory. And bump, apparently this was the first time in franchise history the Seahawks did not punt in a game. I have not been able to confirm that on my side yet, but it was <laughs> said on the Fox broadcast, so I'll take it as, as, uh, you know, as gospel. But, man, bump, look at that. T- look at the drive chart. It's crazy. They go touchdown. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown, a missed field goal. That was a chip shot. Reminds me of me on the first tee when I don't warm up. <laughs> you snap that thing left. Then they go touchdown, field goal, touchdown, end of the game. They essentially should have scored on every drive they possessed the football. I mean, I that's that's video game stuff, right? What are we talking about? And, and here's the thing. For everyone who's not um, excited about the Seahawks victory, what I, all I can tell you is this is National Football League. There's grown men that get paid a lot of money to play this game. And when you put 48 on anybody, I don't give a, you know what, who's (laughs) who's out there. That's impressive. So good thing to see from the Seahawks. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Only one place to start. Quarterback, number seven. Number one in our hearts. Geno Smith. 23 of 30. 320 yards, two touchdowns, seven carries, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Gino joined. Hey, that's seven yards per carry. It's quick math Ooh, for you. Oh, I quick appreciate math. it. I, you're good with the sevens. You're good with the <laughs> sevens. I like that the times table is good. You're helping the yeah, kids out. Yeah, right? you know, you know, third grade math. Let's get it. Dope. <laughs> um, Gino joined Derek Carr and Tom Brady is the only quarterback since 1950 with a 70-plus completion percentage with a minimum of 25 attempts in each of the team's first four games in a season. He's also completing 77.3 of his passes this season. That's the highest completion percentage by any QB through team's first four games in a season with a minimum of 125 attempts. This dude is is playing unconscious right now. It's it's really it's hard for me to to really put into words how much he's meant for this team because they needed every ounce of offense that Geno could put up last week and I just love his perspective. After the game they're asking him about it, are you surprised by this performance? He's like, "No, I can play better." Mm-hmm. He has expectations so high and he's put in the work for years playing behind Russell, before that playing behind Phil Rivers, playing behind Eli Manning to get his shot again. And this isn't the New York Jets. You know what I'm saying? He's in a good he's in a good place. So I'm just I'm just super excited for Gino. There's nothing else I can really say. Seeing him inside this building and just the smile he has on his face and just the way he carries himself and does his business. Love to see. Yeah, extremely excited for Gino. You mentioned back to back three hundred yard games. First time it's done in his career. He's only thrown thrown over three hundred yards five times. So we're seeing the culmination of a guy who had opportunities to learn behind guys who are going to go into the Hall of Fame, Phillip Rivers, um, Russell Wilson, and Eli Manning. And he's putting it all together. So it's impressive. I didn't expect this. Pleasant surprise. Next baller, we're going to break down Rashad Penny, 17 carries for 151 yards, two touchdowns. This is the seventh time in his career he's rushed over 100 yards. First 100-yard game of the season. And 17 carries is his high for the season. Now, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Turbo or it was Big Ray who said 18 should be around how many carries mm-hmm. this guy should get. Almost got there, 17. And you saw him get stronger and stronger throughout the game. Big Ray talks about it. He's not 
He's seeking contact. He's not trying to get out of bounds. So now he's got you on your heels. Like, he's going to run me over. He's going to run by me. He's doing it all right now, man. Number 20 is getting it done. If you want to ask one person right now on this planet about how good um, Rashad Penny's playing right now, I would ask the Detroit Lions secondary. Because <laughs> on that first, that first touchdown run, and as a former DB back in the day, that is the worst scenario, worst case scenario. All by yourself. Where you're by yourself. They got a 20-yard head start coming right at you, and you just there's nowhere to go. What are what you going to do? do? You're standing there. It's like, is he going to juke me? Is he going to run me over? I mean. Then he hit you with the hezzy. Hey. It's out of there, yeah. man. Yeah. No, Rashad, you're doing your thing. DK bump, receivers. We've been talking about this a lot this year on this podcast and throughout all of our podcasts and the radio network is getting DK more involved. Well, he was involved in the game plan. Seven receptions, 149 yards, 10 targets. With his receptions on Sunday, he now moves into 10th place all time on the Seahawks, receiving yards list, passing Sam McCollum. And this is the thing that blew my mind when you think of DK Metcalf, superstar receiver. This was DK's first 100-yard game since week three of 2021 against Minnesota. That's wild. That, like, obviously, then he started going, peeling layers back. Okay, Russ hurt his finger. There's a lot going on in there, finding the run game and Rashad and all that stuff. But still, a man of his, he had a couple games where he was close. He's like yeah. 98, 96. But still, love to see DK uh, production-wise and just getting those slants, getting involved early on. So, Great to see DK. When DK has numbers like this, it's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, he's doing a little bit of everything. Uh, I saw a dig. I saw a post. I saw a slant. Like, that's how you get DK the ball in multiple ways. He can do it all. And Tyler Lockett, he had a sneaky six for 91 on 10 targets. Like, I had to look at this, the box score, and I'm like, all right, I see you, Tyler Lockett. He had a couple big throws down the field from uh, Geno Smith, but now he ranks fourth in franchise history in all-time receptions, passing John L. Williams. So on the same day, you got your dogs, your big boys at the receivers, receiver spots, making history out there, man. They um they could go down as one of the best, if not the best, duo at the receiver spot in Seahawks history. No question about it. I think I think the longevity of them both, where they're at in their career, and how fast they're going up this list. I mean, Steve Argent is in a class of his own. Obviously, he's, he's got the gold There's jacket. Steve and everybody else. We're in the touchdown conference room right now, and there's a picture of Steve on the wall setting his NFL record with his 100th career touchdown catch at the time. And that was a time where guys weren't slaying it like mm-hmm. that. So Steve is in a class of himself in terms of the numbers. I don't know if anyone's going to catch him there. Yeah. But these two are making a name for themselves. For Yeah, I think they're, it's going to be hands down the best uh, combo in Seahawks history. And then show the tight end some love, switching over to Will Disley. He had four receptions, 39 yards, and a touchdown. Disley now has three receiving touchdowns on the season, which leads the team. So, love what the tight ends are doing. Noah Fan had a touchdown earlier. We talked about that. Kobe Parkinson wasn't involved. So, th- this is now a pattern. This isn't a one-game thing, yeah. two-game thing. They've, the tight ends have been involved in every single game, so you love to see it. The tight ends get the party going. They get the party started. When we open up a drive and you see Uncle Will get a touch, you see Kobe Parkson get a touch, it's going to be a good day. That means everything else is working. And then we got to show love to the offensive line. The Seahawks rushed for 235 yards and allowed zero sacks. That's with two rookie tackles out there. You got a veteran or several veterans on the inside. You got Blythe, who's playing really good at that center spot, communicating with Geno Smith, getting guys in and out of things. But the O-line... They need some love. Oh, yeah. Love, love what they're doing. And you say you mentioned Austin Blythe. They're seamless. He's getting – with having two rookies on the line and where he's at, the communication is seamless. Mm-hmm. He's not out there getting sacked five times like some other people out there. He's not out there <laughs> miscommunicating. At the end. So I love what Austin Blythe is doing. Happy he's on our squad. Lastly, yep. for playmakers, Tariq Woolen, man. Tariq, five tackles, one pass defense, 
one pick six, which we'll break down here shortly. And he's had interceptions in back-to-back weeks. So love what the young fella is doing. Bump, back to the roundup. Look at these receivers. We talked about the first two, but what do you like to see about this box score? You know what? I see one, two, three receivers. I see three tight ends. I see two running backs. Every position who was eligible to get the ball once again got some receptions. But the tight ends, you got seven targets between Will and Parkinson, and then you throw Noah Fadden in there, one target, but he also scored a touchdown. So now all tight ends have scored touchdowns, all of them. So now we need uh, Rashad Penny to get a reception, uh, receiving touchdown just to mix it up a little bit, and might as well throw uh, – Kenneth Walker in there as well. Like, keep mixing it up. And I think that once you get into the red zone, that's where those running back screens are going to come into play later. So, yeah, man, hey, it's getting spread out. I love it. Love to see it. And one other thing I love to see is D. Eskridge. D. Eskridge. D. Yes. He only had one reception, but I felt like he was more involved in the game plan. He was he out was, there. He was, you know, previously leading into this week, it's really been Marquise Goodwin who's gotten all the number three receiver reps, if you will. So good to see DeEstridge out there competing for playing time and just hoping to continue to get him more involved as things go on. All right, we've been teasing it all show. The play of the game on the defensive side, Tariq Woolen steps in front of Jared Goff's pass for a 40-yard pick six. Goff will start under center. He has two tight ends in the game, a play fake to Williams. Goff has all kinds of time. He's going to throw. It's picked off. Coming the other way is Neal. Down to the 20, the 10, cuts back inside. Touchdown, Seahawks. It's Woolen. Tariq Woolen makes the interception return for the touchdown. Tariq just stepped right in front of the receiver, picked it off, and he was gone to the races for 39 and a touch. And, man, that's the way to start the second half. Bump, man. What Tariq won't put on a clinic. Man, he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. So he's up top. The Detroit Lions are in a tight little formation, right? You got two tight ends up top. I think that's a tight end and a receiver. Then a motion, a tight end to the other side of the formation to kind of give that run look. And Tariq's on the island all by himself, right? He gets in that little bell technique real quickly. He turns those hips and starts to run. And I honestly think he baited this throw. The more that I look at it, I think he made Jerigoff think that my guy was open. What happens is the guy he is covering runs like a dig, a deep dig, like around 15 yards. And Tariq has outside leverage on him. As soon as that player puts that left foot in the ground, Tariq trails on his back hip and then his closing speed. You just see him take two or three more steps faster than that receiver does, and then you really want to see some speed, you watch this man run towards the end zone with that rock in his hand. This looked like a veteran out there who was composed, who attacked the football, and went and scored when he had it in his hands. You talk about closing speed. When Hawkinson gets in his break, Tariq is moving so fast, it looks like Hawkinson slowed down and he didn't. Right. It looks like he absolutely stopped running. But no, Tariq, I agree with you on, on the baiting thing because Pete Carroll talked about this a little bit the last couple of weeks is that he's seen Tariq Woolen pick off passes in practice that he's not seen from any corners going back until the Legion of Boom era where – Someone runs kind of a dig or a crossing route across the field, and he picks it off on the opposite sideline. His closing speed, I mean, when he when he decides he's going to make a break on this football, he is flying, and oh. it's in stride. He he got there so fast, it looked like it, it looked like Jared was thrown to him. <laughs> I mean, it looked like he was the only possible intended receiver. So the fact that a man who's played the amount of games he has at corner is doing this in the National Football League, I – I don't know what to tell you, man. All I know is Tariq Woolen's a certified baller, and we're going to see a lot more good things for him. And finally, it's been a couple weeks. Come on. We're back to that formation. You know what it is. 
Here comes the Seahawks offense onto the field and the Vikings defense trudging out there, knowing that one kneel down and the Seahawks are going to wind the clock down and win this one. It's the victory formation on Hawk Talk. Greatest formation in football, Nass. Let's have victory formation, and we are finally in it. And how do we get here? Mainly because of the offense. 555 yards of offense. Rashad Penny rushed for 151. They rushed for 235 as a squad and two touchdowns. It was just, it was an offensive explosion. Whatever the offense wanted to do, they did. They scored 10 points, you mentioned this earlier, or more in every quarter, first time in franchise history. 555, I believe that's the fourth or fifth highest total yards they've had in franchise history. The offense looked explosive and efficient. Every step of the way, they looked that way. I mean, from drive one to the last drive of the game, they had things rolling. It was great to see. I mentioned earlier, Shane Waldron has been killing the game. He's called an unbelievable amount uh, of great plays. We're always in the right play. Between him and Gino, they're on the same page. They're always in the right play, and I love what we're seeing now because I feel like they've gotten to a point now where Pete even said it, the offense is open. Everything that Shane Waldron has in his his bag, everything that he brought from the Rams, everything that's in his arsenal, we're going to start seeing the next couple weeks, which is going to make the Seahawks incredibly tough to defend. And got to give love to Gino, man. Gino, most accurate passer in the National Football League, having the best season of his career, and it's frankly not close. He's doing things that other quarterbacks that get paid stupid amounts of money aren't doing. <laughs> and, yes, it's four weeks. Yes, they just played the lines. But he's been consistent. We can't say he's not pushing the ball down the field anymore after last week. He's doing it everywhere. He's getting the Seahawks in the right type of plays. So I'm not saying he's about to be the MVP or anything. I'm yeah. just saying he's balling out and it's showing on the field and this offense is finally hitting their stride. Yep, offense looks good. We highlighted DK, 7 for 149. And now – it's about the defense, right? They gave up 530 yards and 45 points. But this is what they did do. They got some three and outs early, and they turned or they forced turnovers. You got Kobe Brown with a forced fumble, Tariq Willow with a pick six. They contributed to the 48 points that the Hawks put up there. So they got to fix some things. We're not denying that. But when you walk away any football field with a W, uh, you ain't mad about it. Oh, no. No, I learned early on. Never apologize for wins. Nah. Never apologize and celebrate every single one of them as we're doing right in here today. The Seahawks beat the Lions 48-45 to in a thrilling game in Detroit. The Seahawks are back on the road this Sunday in the Big Easy in Nolens to take on the Saints. Pre-game starts at 10, excuse me, 7 a.m. Game Ooh, starts at 10. Early. Another early one, two weeks in a row. Anyway, so if you're listening here, remember you can find us anywhere, Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, SiriusXM. We're everywhere. Lots of great content across the Seahawks podcast network. We'll be back here on Wednesday for the preview of those New Orleans Saints. Until next time, he's Michael Bumpus. I'm Nasa Chobi. We'll catch you later on Hawk Talk.